Welcome back, folks, to the Mel Wright Show. This is episode 217. I thought I was only going to have one guest, but it's actually worked out great, folks. I've got two guests for you. <laughs> I've got Jennifer Gaylock and I've got Brian Price of Leafy Assets with us. Unfortunately, my normal co-host, Robert, he's, he's bailed out. He's gone off roaming this week, off somewhere, so he's not available. So you've just got me as your host, folks. So, Jennifer, I'm going to let ladies introduce. So can you quickly um, give us like a 10, 15 seconds intro, Jennifer? Sure. I am the co-founder and COO of Leafy Legal Services, and we um, help protect, we are an asset protection legal services company for real estate investors and entrepreneurs, and we help you protect your assets, uh, plan your estates, and uh, have different tax structures so that you can be your own bank and have some tax-free benefits to it. Um, that'll help you out. That's kind of what we do. And that's my uh, my passion. I want people to have generational wealth and to think differently about money and uh, protecting things so they don't have to lose them. So we're going to be... Out. Well, thank you, Jennifer. And I'm, Brian, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Sure, absolutely. I am the, the CEO and co-founder, the other co-founder of uh, Leafy Legal Services. And so, yeah, we, we have a great passion for helping real estate and entrepreneurs uh, structure their businesses properly uh, to protect their assets. Oh, it's great. And what we're going to be discussing during the episode, folks, is everything legal. I know it can it'll be a little bit boring, but I'm sure Jennifer and Brian are going to live in it out. I've got, I've got a sense of that, folks. But on the other hand, it's rather important and not having the right legal structures and not knowing some info about things um, can cause you a lot of pain in the real estate industry. So, uh, Jennifer, let's start off with you. Um, I think, as we were discussing before we went live uh, with the recording, um, and you agree with this, I think as a new real estate agent, um, realising that you're actually running a business, yes, you might be working for a brokerage, but you're self-employed. And if you don't have the right legal setup, you could be exposing yourself, your family, and your family assets to being sued and possibly losing your home and a lot of your family's assets. First of all, would you agree with that? And secondly, what for the single real estate agent starting off maybe in their second year, what do you think is a good way of trying to protect your assets from, let's face it, the very um, legal kind of suing atmosphere that you find in, in North America? Well, okay, so first, let's just talk about the reality of statistics. And I know this is boring, so I'm going to make it super duper quick. So like last year, there was 100 million lawsuits in the U.S. Now, that was soon for everything. So that means about 25% of all Americans will get sued sometime in their lifetime for whatever. However, if you're a real estate investor, if you own more than one property, or if you're certain types of entrepreneurs, you have a 95% chance of being sued in the next 20 years. So that statistic goes up so exponentially the question is not if I'll get sued, it's when you'll get sued. And a real estate 
agent, even if you just sell, you don't own any houses, which is kind of rare. Once you get to doing it, you're going to see the value of having a buy and hold rental property or maybe doing a flip, you know, to, to, to see how it is. But let's say you're brand new. Your face, your name are on all these cards, all these billboards. And if you're in a big company, let's say you're in Remax or, you know, whatever, Home Caldwell or whatever, then you are going to be on billboards. You're going to be out there. And the assumption is that you've got loads of cash. Now, we all know that that is not really how it works. But that is the assumption, and that's all a predatory attorney or some predatory criminal would need. And they do all sorts of crazy stuff. So the first thing you need to do is realize that you're in business. So uh, because a a lot of uh, realtors are... well, I shouldn't say that. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, but I think it's even more important if you're female, is that you have to approach yourself as a business person now. One of the best ways to position yourself is to have a company, to sign your contracts as your company. You're no longer using your name on the back end because you have a company in your business. And it is amazing how that mindset will trigger a different behavior in the people that you come into contact with in a business sense. They, and this is not just with realtors, it is with graphic designers. Hey, just give us a new logo, Cindy. You know, you know what? You do those all the time. Can we have it for free? Oh, come on. Jane's a realtor. Maybe she'll cut her rate for your house. You know, you hear this all the time with people, but if you're like, well, I don't know, you know, I work, with this and I can't do this. It just, it changes your mindset a little bit. And then if you have the other structures, onion layered, especially the way we do it, you know, then you are providing layers of protection between you and everything that, that you own. So you are doing business under this one LLC, but then your actual assets and what you own are in entirely separate structure. And we have arm's length clauses between that. So you accept rents or you pay people or you do things in your name. You get a mortgage in your name because you're using your credit. So it's really difficult and expensive to get a mortgage in the name of a trust or the name of an LLC. Most people won't do that. It's not, you don't have to get in your name, but then you immediately need to take that deed and put it into, let's say, a trust. If you do something like that and you have the right setup, you will avoid the due on sale clause. Mm-hmm. And then it is no longer in your name. So if someone sues you, because we can't stop people from suing. Don't. There are sue people everywhere, right? But what we can well, it stop... Does, it does seem to be America's hobby. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is, right? And desperate times come from desperate measures. So whenever you get these things of, oh, there's going to be a recession. Oh, there's going to be a this. Oh, we don't like the president. Oh, you know, whatever. It causes people to feel desperate and and you'll see lawsuits kind of go up too. So you don't have to worry about that anymore if you're properly protected. If you get a suit, there's nothing for them to get. Yeah, so what, what do you got anything to add back to Brian? And the other thing, Brian, I, I forgot what the term is that you've got to make sure. Um, is it called the veil of corporate separation? Veil. separation? Mm-hmm. Maybe you could add a little bit about what that's about, Brian. 
Sure, absolutely. Is is uh, you know kind of to follow on what Jennifer is talking about is is you definitely want to protect yourself. There's there's different onion layers as we talk about. Um, mostly what we um, suggest for people that are in uh, real estate investing uh, is is a series LLC and kind of gives you that veil of protection from the corporation as well. Because what it does is it has a corporation that that houses other corporations that have the different assets that you own in them. And so what that does, it gives you that extra layer of protection of someone that's trying to sue you. So for example, someone's trying to sue you personally, if you own a property or something like that. And so what that lawyer is going to do is they're going to bring up everything that you own. And if you had everything in your own name, um, every property that you own will come up immediately and they'll say, okay, this is a good person to sue because it's all right there. Uh, versus having like a series LLC, what they'll, what they'll find when a lawyer does that is they'll look and they'll see you own this one corporation. And then there's, um, there's, there's a company that doesn't really own anything. It has these other trusts that are in there, but they don't really know. And they don't know until they can't, they can actually come into that corporation and then look at each of the other ones and try to get into each one of them. And they're gonna, they literally going to start spending some money. Exactly. Um, to exactly. Find that. And so so, they're probably, they're probably going to be a little bit deterred by that and go on yeah, to the next yeah. poor person that they're going to uh, yeah, make I mean, their day. Exactly. You have to think about it as, mm-hmm. okay, and I hate to bring up this guy, but I'm bringing him up because he's been in the news. Look at someone horrific, right? Like Jeffrey Epstein. Now, if you're a criminal doing criminal things, the government will get you. But yet it is such, it's such powerful structures, what we're talking about, that has taken the might of the United States government, St. Thomas, and other places, and they are still piercing the corporate veils that he had and protections in place, wondering where did this come from? Where did this come from? Because you have to break open trust. So if you have an anonymous trust that holds a series LLC or, a Delata- or, or you have a Delaware statutory trust, um, depending on where your properties are at and where you're at, and which one's best for you, then that takes a lot of time and effort to do that. And you have to know the name of it. And so it, let's say you're a realtor and you're showing property and some guy slams on his brakes and you end up rear ending him, right? You think that that's not going to affect maybe a rental property you have or something else. Think again. The first thing that guy's going to do is try to pin it on you. You are falling too close behind. Go to, go to uh, you know, especially if you have like your, your realty <laughs> tags all over your car and everything else. And the first thing his lawyer is going to do is go to a program like DataTree or another program like that and then pull up the name. And because you get mortgages in your name, if you're not transferring them over into something that is anonymous, all of that pulls up and he puts liens on all of it. So even if you settle out of court and the police end up saying, okay, it wasn't your fault, no harm, no foul, uh, you still have to pay for the lawyer that had to work to try to protect all of those things. If you had nothing to begin with, it's going to be a lot less of a legal fee, right? And most people won't go through that. They'll just settle. So you will settle all of these liens that they have for one little amount, and then they'll take them off. And many people don't even realize they have liens because the lien system in many counties and many Mm -hmm. states, until they go to close, Mm -hmm. who's going to pay this lien? 
And that is actually a thing that a lot of, of local and county governments are working on right now. I live in Galveston. We had a problem here with a guy who put liens on all these empty lots. And he was able to do it for quite some time. And people went to closing and rather than lose their buyer, they would pay it because he didn't do it in, in huge amounts. It was literally this crook source of income. Yeah. He finally did it to, to the city of Galveston on a plot of land that they built five mm. low-income houses on that you had to have you had to make at least a hundred, you had to make under $105,000 a year, have at least a 680 credit score. And then you had to fill out an application. Only some people applied. A lot of people applied for that because they were raised up. You didn't need flood insurance. It was they were very nice. They went to closing. There was a lien. There wasn't a lien when we bought this, the city said. And now the guy's in, in, in getting in a lot of trouble because now he did it to the city. Oh, so. well, he deserves it. We're going to go for <laughs> our break, folks. I'm actually going to be asking some more questions about liens, actually, when we come back, because um, it's something that fascinates me, being originally from the UK. We don't have liens. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. I'm not with my co-hosts. I feel a bit empty not having Robert to tease, actually. But I'm sure he's rested, not putting up with my teasing. My beloved listeners and viewers, you know that I do tease Robert a bit. But there we go. Uh, um, So um, we've been talking about all the nice things in the first part of the show. Bankruptcy, being sued. (laughs) All the things you look forward to in life. Don't, 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 don't. It's an uplifting episode of this show, listen, <laughs> but a realistic one. And my two guests seem very, very nice people, so they seem up for it. So, like I said in the first half of the show, Jennifer and Brian, um, uh, I'm originally from the UK, you would never mm-hmm. guess, obviously. Uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, um, we don't actually have liens. We don't have this structure of liens. Mm-hmm. Um and you were remarking, uh, Jennifer, about a certain case in the first half of the show where somebody put liens on almost a whole city by the sounds of it, very active. Um, what is this business with liens? Because um, we're aimed at the newer, the newer agent, like saying the, third, the first, second or third year. What what is this structure of liens? And um, it does seem to cause a lot of problems in the property industry in general, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, well, it's because a lien, and we have things called contractors' liens. That's usually how most people understand a lien. And it's it started out with the, the home building industry of a contractor, remodeler, and you don't end up paying them. They can, you know, when you get a new kitchen or whatever, they can put something called a lien. It's, but they don't, they don't, but in the UK, see, if you were doing something, if there was, if there was something like that, uh, you, you can get a judgment, but anything like that has to go through the magistrate court system in the UK. Yeah. It's got to be court. But with this lien system in the US, you don't actually have to go through courts, do you? No, no, it you actually, can just go to, uh, yeah, go just, You just have to file. 
really is you just have to file. And if you have a judgment, whether it's a contract judgment or something like that, it actually goes on your house before you even have to prove it's correct. So like a contractor's lien is one way, but if it, like we're talking in the first half of the call about a judgment lien about someone suing you, which is why you don't want your property in your own name, because not only can they put it on your property, but it comes on your uh, personal credit as well. So Lovely. if you're trying to if you're trying to get double duty, and this is before a judgment even happens, which is which is pretty amazing how you know that can happen. But if you're trying to buy new properties or you're growing, you know, just get a credit card, it can affect your credit even before it's even uh, decided that it's it's not even the right lawsuit. So um, so they don't. So are there no penalties for people like the individual that Jennifer described in the first half that has obviously almost made this situation in a quasar business? It's a kind of business model. Are are there no consequences for the individual that are kind of handing out liens left, right and centre with no justification? There's, it depends on, number one, it depends on where you live and where the laws are and where you live. And, but depending on how many people have paid off. So, and who is going to sue them back? So, it, and it's the same thing. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The sad thing mm-hmm. is, is criminals are going to criminal and then they're going to do it in such ways that just make it such a pain for the innocent people to fight it that mm-hmm. they're just going to be willing to just do whatever to get rid of it. Yeah. So, in a lot of cases that happens and also to mm-hmm. the money. You would need a tremendous more amount of budget and raising people's taxes to try to combat this too. Mm-hmm. So they are try, you know, they try in all these different areas, you know, to to come up with new laws or new little loop, you know, hurdles that people will have to to do. But then they also don't want to penalize people who've been, you know, excuse my language, just screwed over by someone. Mm-hmm. And so now they're out money. They've had to pay for roofers. They've had to pay for, you know, uh, shingles and, and, you know, everything So really, if you're in the real estate industry as an investor or as a real estate agent, you really need to investigate if are there any liens on these properties as early as possible before you Mm -hmm. start spending money on any legal investigation, checking the property over, any of that. You really need... To, and this is probably why you need a good real estate professional if you're mm-hmm. buying property as an investment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And most investors, and if you go on to really good like investment forums like Bigger Pockets and place like that, there are more than enough places you can go to that will help you research it, do deed research it, um, and you ha- just do your due diligence. With anything, right. you want to do your due diligence. Hopefully you don't mind me going through this, but I thought it was going to kind of be a legal episode, so I thought we'd go, we'd, no, we'd, no, uh, we'd go through all the... Now, there's yeah. another area that seems to be... Um, reared its head in the real estate industry 2019. It's always been there, but it seems to be increasingly a topic. Is um, the It's not exactly wire fraud, because it's internet fraud, uh, um, Brian. There seems to be, a, when it comes to actually buying property in that, there seems to be a lot of concerns around what is called wire fraud. Um, uh-huh. And it seems to be increasingly becoming a bigger problem um, would you agree with that? And you've got any tips or insights about to real estate agents, how do they avoid this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, 
and any way people can find a way to cheat the system, they'll try, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's always that way. And so, yeah, I mean, when it, when it comes to any, any kind of, uh, you know, transaction based things, I mean, you, you definitely want to make sure it's all in the up and up. If it comes from like a weird bank or something like that, then obviously you want to make sure it's, it's probably going to a real bank. Do you know, are there any kind of specific areas that seems to regularly happen in the when you're buying property when it comes to um, uh, wire fraud? Is there a trend? Are there kind of trends or are they all kind well, of kind of individual? Yes, yes. Like if you need to vet your, you need to make sure you vet your client. You're mm-hmm. allowed, and now this goes to acting like you own a business. You are perfectly allowed as a real estate agent to ask for contact information, to, uh, to look up social media information on uh-huh. someone, you know, do your due diligence. Most people will say, well, when can we meet? They only want to meet on Google Hangouts. They yeah. reached out to you <laughs> through Craigslist. They're only wanting to talk on Facebook Messenger, right? Uh-huh. Now, I deal with people from, ev- from everywhere. They say they're in Schenectady, New York, but they want to buy something. One of the first things you should probably do is, is do what we're doing here, uh, yeah. a Zoom call. Go go on to Skype and do a video call with them. I really want to talk to you. I want to get to know you better. Mm-hmm. What kind of property? Ask them about, the, you know, from everything from their style to this. Try to see if you can get to know them because, you know, people are getting scammed a lot with these wire transfer things or people are not even from the states. And you can figure that out with smart little questions. Of, so what's the time over there? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, there's going to be a big difference between the lighting and yeah, yeah, you know, from the UK or this, how they're responding. Well, I, I never, see, no, I never see daylight. I'm always in this home office. <laughs> well, maybe not you, but then they would say, "So, how long you in the states? So, where are you yeah. living right now?" And you know what? If you feel any twinge of weirdness, ask to see their ID. Yeah. Do, you Do my, a background check on them. My better yeah. half actually has to commute to Reno to work, but I actually work yeah. in the home office, so, which about I never leave actually. Yeah. Uh, um, but there we go. Uh, so you're saying really fundamentally it's really getting to know the people you're doing business with and doing some due diligence. Otherwise, you're, yeah. when it comes to the actual transfer of actual money, you might be in for some bad shocks. That's basically what you're saying, Jennifer. Yeah, it's just communication. Yeah. If it seems too good to be true, it usually is. If if they're if they're not acting normal, there's a reason for it. And for getting to know someone better is only going to make you a better realtor. It's gonna it's only going to make the process easier. It's going to make them feel that you really care about them and getting them a new home or their new investment property or new business. You know, so you don't have to be like chummy, chummy best friends, but, you know, elevate your customer service game and also to elevate your security game. As a realtor, you put yourself out there at risk, not just from going to view properties alone with someone, always have, get a copy of their ID if you're going to go and visit a property every single time. Keep yourself safe, people. And uh, so basic little things like you know, like that, you can, you can stave off a lot at the pass. Yeah. And there's also, um, there's, there's software that actually verify people's identity where they actually ask you to hold up your ID with you sitting in front of it and they can do, you know, um, uh, recognition on, on your face and, and match it to your ID as well right away without really having to even 
before you even meet that person as well. So if, if there's yeah. some suspicion around that, then you can use those. They work on smartphones and you just say, hey, I need you to verify your ID, your, your, um, who you are so that I know this is how it's going to go. Yeah, ladies, he gives you a name at the club and it's like some really <laughs> great, cool name. Say, like, excuse me, get that app up. Let me verify if you are, you say. Verify your identity. I'm not going there, Jennifer. Uh, um, so um, another area that I thought we could talk about is um, obviously we have listeners all over and we're getting very grateful we're getting a lot of new listeners and viewers to the show every month but you know we're both me and my co-hosts are based on the on the west coast and obviously there's a lot of um out of state especially i'm based in nevada mm-hmm. northern nevada near to lake tahoe so there's a lot of out of state out of state investors that buy second properties in lake tahoe and other mm-hmm. properties in northern nevada and then on the coast, you know, you've got a lot of foreign investors yeah. buying properties. Have you got any kind of insights about if you, a, if you're dealing with out of a state buyer, and especially if it's out of the US, like from the Far East, from China, Hong Kong, um, or from Europe, buying property in the Bay Area and that, and or in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Are there, got any insights? Any tips or insights about how that affects? Yeah. Um, a lot of times when you're bringing money from the outside, um, you'll want to get that settled as soon as possible. Because now that with like the Patriot Act and, and things like that, they really want to know where the money's coming from and how it was acquired if it's coming from the outside of the U.S. So I would I would make sure, you know, the verification of funds and these having a method that they're going to bring them in is how that's actually going to be done because there's there's a lot of um uh bureaucracy happening especially now depending on what country it's coming from too so it could really extend so agents got to be aware of yeah, this because it could yeah. really extend the um actual mm-hmm. process of actually buying a property yeah i know like china for example there's times when it's taken 90 days for them to get the funds through whatever you know red tape has to come through in order to buy a house. And so, you know, different countries have, you know, different levels of, uh, of, of things you have to go through. So definitely is when it comes to the funds that they may have the money and, and it's all valid, which is awesome. It's just that getting it through the system and that the U.S. wants to know where that's all coming from to make sure it's verified. So just make sure that, you know, knowing that time frame, how it's going to come through and knowing what that process is, is definitely going to be worthwhile. And if they can start the process before they even start looking for a house, knowing yeah. how serious they are is also a, a good sign of what, what's actually going to be like. And also, yeah, on the, I just wanted to add this on the case of foreign investors, like we have an mm-hmm. attorney that works with yeah. us and mm-hmm. he does offshore trusts, offshore insurance and he also mm-hmm. helps foreign foreign investors invest in real property in the United States. Do not do a foreign investment unless you have an attorney mm-hmm. here that is helping you because yeah. there are so many different laws and ways to structure it and mm-hmm. if you're not if you're doing it improperly you 
might end up screwing over the foreigner. There are, there's like an EB-5 program, and some of those are actually not good at all for that foreign investor because of their situation. There are other programs that will be very good for them. So if you have a legitimate foreign investor, investor and they are going to invest not just in one, but possibly many properties, you're going to want to have an attorney who is going to look over the unique situation, get them vetted, and then then find out the best possible advantages and structures that can be offered for them. And then you will have a foreign investor for life, and it can make you a lot of money. Exactly. If you just wing it, not yeah, so much. Yeah. I, I thought it would be an example because um, – because I thought it would be an area that would be of interest to you as well, because America and also the UK, I'm not sure about other European countries, but UK and America were one of the few places in the world where uh, a foreign individual using a limited liability company can actually still buy property. There's a lot of countries that have regulations where you actually, as a foreign individual, you're not allowed to buy property in that country Mm -hmm. or... You've, you've got to buy um, with a partner, a yeah. native um, that's um, actual um, uh, has dom- domicile in that country. You're uh-huh. not actually allowed to buy, buy property totally out. There's a lot. I know Malaysia and a lot of countries in the Far East have these rules. Yeah, but that's why a lot of people look at America and still the UK because when it comes to actually buying property, it's a pretty free setup, isn't it? Yeah, yes. very much so. Yeah, yeah. I've had that. Our attorney told us once. He goes, "You may surprise you, but America is the tax haven for the rest of the world, as far as in, in real estate is the way way for them to do it. Americans have to go somewhere else." Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Well, I'm gonna. We're gonna end the podcast part of the show. I think I've done a reasonable job, listeners and viewers. We're at my beloved co-host, um, Jennifer and Brian have been up for it. So, Jennifer, how can people find out more about what you and Brian up to and and about your company? All you have to do is go to Leafy, L-E-A-F-Y, Legal, L-E-G-A-L, Services.com, LeafyLegalServices.com, and you can reach us. You can get a free ebook that tells you a lot more in depth about what we do, and it's it's not boring. It's fun. (laughs) I think so. And uh, or just give us a call. We have a free discovery call for 15 minutes. I'm happy to talk to anyone. Oh, I think you I think you come both of you come across great. I know listeners and viewers, we've touched a few of the more unpleasant aspects of doing business <laughs> in the real estate industry. But on the other hand, it's really necessary. I think both my guests have given some great insights. I've asked them a broad number of questions. They seem very knowledgeable. So if you're looking for advice, I suggest that you contact them and um, cover any area that you might have concerns or have a client with. I'm sure they're there to help. We're going to have some bonus content after the podcast, which you can go to the MailRite website and view or the MailRite YouTube channel. That would be the whole interview plus the bonus content. I tend to publish on the MailRite YouTube channel the first. So if you're if you're wanting to listen to the latest episode of MailRite, and I'm sure you are, that, that's the platform to go to. We'll see you next week, hopefully with my co-host. You must turn up. It's going to be an internal discussion next week. And we'll see you soon next week, folks. See you later. Bye. Right, bye, guys.